Was this, wait, was this your first time? Yes. Or second time? No, this was my oh. first. I'd never seen this movie before. Me too. Uh, Yay! I, wait. Okay, so, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll get into it. But I'm really curious to, to see how you found out about this film. Because this is completely... Shudder. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it's been on my Shudder list for forever. And they won't take it off of Shudder, which is fine. Um, I think I saw it on Netflix, like, when it first came out, and I never watched it, and, you know what, let's just do the intro. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to, like, lose out the content, or... Welcome back, Dreadfuls. You're listening to another episode of Left for Dread, the horror podcast for everyone from newbies to fanatics. We are not a spoiler-free podcast, so make sure you've seen the movie or movies we're talking about before you listen. I'm one of your hosts, Rye. And I'm your other host, Chris. And Rye and I, we are recording within the void of, uh, atop the Black Pyramid that we don't know what it is, but it's still so cool. And there's ambient noise. <laughs> and I don't care that I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, so we're coming in with that kind of energy because uh, we love this film. We're just going to bury the lead. This is, well, I, I especially love this film. It has, you uh, Dreffles, this movie is probably one of the most Chris movies ever. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. So if you share Chris's love of Lovecraftian horror, you will. This is like a darling of a, not just an indie movie, but of a Lovecraftian horror movie, like at its finest. True. I think. True facts. And uh, yeah. And so today we are reviewing The Void. It's a 2016 Canadian cosmic horror film uh, directed by Stephen Kotansky and Jeremy Gillespie. Um, uh, it has a pretty co- great cast. Um, I'm not familiar with Aaron Poole, but... Um, I only recognize two actresses in that movie. Yeah, there's Ellen Wong uh, from Scott Pilgrim versus Fuck the World. Her. Uh, nice chow, <laughs> so good. Well, the, act, the the actress, the actress is great. Her character yes. eh, should have we'll, died. Well, we'll talk about it. No, uh, should have died. You should have died. Yes, <laughs> she, was, she was utterly useless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I just wanted to watch her get eaten. That's all I, I wanted. I, we need we need to feed the babies. This is true. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's um, the name of the episode chris feed the babies feed the babies yeah um oh but what well, the do- the guy who played the doctor he apparently he's a pretty famous actor oh yeah so the the doctor um dr richard powell um he's played by kenneth welsh who apparently is a um a huge actor um oh that that, that makes perfect sense he's the the main one of the main villains in the uh, Twin Peaks, um, and was also in The Aviator. Yeah, so he's a big Canadian actor. Okay, there you go. Um, but The Void, um, it's this, it's like, like Rye said, it's this indie darling. Um, it came out pretty recently, so, um, I, at least for me, uh, I haven't even heard of it until. Rye mentioned it or put it on the slate, and Rye, you were just mentioning, uh, you found it out uh, on Netflix when it first arrived. Yeah, yeah. I think I br- like briefly remember seeing it on Netflix. I kind of ignored it though, because I think there were other things that I wanted to watch or that were around, and I was like, oh, I'll get back to it later. And then it left Netflix. But you know, thank Odin, we have things like Shutter. Not sponsored, but they're all horror streaming content, and The Void has been on Shutter for eons. Like ever since like, it launched, I maybe I don't know, but it just like it never left. So it's like been eternally sitting on my list, 
And I clicked on it the other day to watch it on my own. And I saw a bunch of the reviews that were talking about like Lovecraftian horror and sci-fi horror and all this other stuff. And I was like, nope, I, nope, Chris and I need to watch this together. We have to talk about Good it. Call. This Good. is This is Good in his call. wheelhouse. Yes. So that's, that's where that came from. And, and, uh, and again, going back to its indie darling roots, like that is to a T. So um it was i'm not sure about the rest of production but at least all the creature feature practical effects stuff which this movie's chock full of and you know if you listen to the show you know ryan and i are huge suckers for practical effects and creature feature kind of stuff um so it was crowdfunded on indiegogo for about like eighty two thousand dollars and this movie just goes to show you what you can do with that. There's hardly any CGI in this movie. And it's so well done. It's so fucked up. It's creepy. Yeah. And like the the rest of the movie, um, it was funded through like traditional channels. But it's still a really... Okay. Well, in terms of budget numbers, it's a low budget mill. But it doesn't feel like that. It feels really clean, really polished, really high quality. Um, and I, I guess it's part of the, uh, part of, I guess it maybe has to do with like such, su- such incredible talent in Canada because Canada is a huge, uh, movie making, uh, milestone or touchstone, uh, tons of TV and film are, are, are filmed over there because of like, it's cheap or cheaper and like tax credits and stuff like that. But uh, I mean, there's an incredible amount of, amount of talent in, in, in Canada too. Um, but yeah, so I mean, this was an indie darling. Um, it's, it has a super modest box office, so only about like 150,000, but it, um, it, it, like right side, it has a ton of positive reviews. So I feel like it's, it's, it's making more of its, money and it's in the life cycle even though it's only been like four years since it's released like through direct-to-video and streaming so like it's on it's on shutter uh i found it on amazon prime as well um so i i feel like it's getting it's making back its its buck you know uh in rentals and dvds and um the aftermarket uh but yeah geez this movie is great I need, we need to, that's why we're doing this. We need everyone to know about this film. I will say the only thing I disagree with you on, and I think it might be the only thing we disagree on during this whole thing, is the way I see the production value. I I did look at it as something that was, that looked low budget, but I don't think it, I don't, I don't think that in this case it's a negative thing. There are movies that look really low budget and not as like shiny and polished as some other films and are still widely successful and widely amazing. And that's the way I saw this. It did seem a little low budget to me, but I didn't care. I was blown away by the rest of the movie. It didn't really fucking matter. Low budget isn't a negative thing. It's only a negative thing if the movie's shit, which this wasn't. I mean that I think that's just a feather's cap like like you could you could do incredible things if you're if you just have the right talent and um it's like the Robert Rodriguez school of filmmaking like use with what you got like you know and you can do incredible things just with a little bit of creative and still do it on the cheap I mean and... look at paranormal activity Exactly That had like our, our shit tiny budget most of which was spent on the camera and look what happened to it. And that's just the first one. But we're not going to get into the rest of that. Uh, so, so, right. For those who still haven't watched this film, how about uh, we give a bit of a recap of what The Void is about? So, without spoilers and the most honest synopsis of this is, shortly after delivering a patient to an understaffed hospital, a police officer experiences strange and violent occurrences seemingly linked to a group of mysterious hooded figures. Yes, hooded figures with the evil eye, the the pyramid painted on their faces, and they wield giant sacrificial daggers. Yeah, so, so here's the thing. First of all, if there's a pregnant girl in a horror movie, you know you're in trouble. 
for yeah. starters. You know she gonna die. <laughs> or the baby, something's gonna happen. Something's to gonna baby. happen to the baby, or she's gonna die, whatever it is. So that. But I think the biggest thing about this movie is that it sort of checks like all like it checks like every box. So it had visceral horror. It had a creepy hospital. It had an evil doctor and a robe wearing cult. And oh and and like no, John Carpenter, Cronenberg, Flesh Monsters. It has everything. Exactly. So, like, it checked every box for me. I think... I, I think the where it really drives it home and is, in my opinion, what makes it such a success to watch is the perspective that you have for the movie. You know as much as the rest of the characters. And I love that. I love... When horror movies don't give you a ton of exposition that you sort of like find everything out as everyone else is, you're tossed in right in the middle of the situation, which is seemingly happening everywhere as we slowly find out with the father and son character. Like it's not isolated to just this hospital where this is taking place. It's just one incident. And I am so beyond happy that there is no talk for a sequel, no sequel in development, that this was a standalone. It it leaves you with the unknown, which is like a, a which is like a whole trope in Lovecraftian horror anyway. It's it's cosmic horror to a T. It's like uh, it's fear of the unknown and the the knowledge of the unknown is so terrifying and so oppressive that like if you if you find out what actually happens or what's the real reality uh, you, you know, your your small, tiny human mind will just crack and you go insane or, yeah. Right, which which goes on to the point of, like, he and his wife are alive in the void at the end. So why? Uh, is she really alive? Is it just an illusion because of exactly what you just said? If he really understands that maybe he didn't kill her, that he just sort of, like, joined one with this amorphous like monster cult that it would break him and he would get pulled out of it there are so many questions at the end of it and for once i'm not irritated at all because like we just said it is cosmic lovecraftian horror to a fucking t this is the point it is very exposition light and i appreciated that because um like like many um lovecraftian stories and people who are inspired by lovecraft um, you know, there's a lot of mystery and intrigue. So as the f- characters are trying to find stuff out or find clues, we we are we are along. We're literally along for the for the ride. We're learning just as much as they are. Um, and it gives you enough to um, piece together a general sketch. Uh, enough to like keep you enraptured. Enough to keep you immersed. But enough where. You just there's a lot of unknown, a lot, a lot to be said, and it just creates like this meta narrative where like it, it fits with all the hallmarks of cosmic horror and Lovecraft stuff, and then you and then you you can just talk for ends about and theorize on what happened, and um you know going back to like John Carpenter's the thing, um the structure of the film is similar to that in that we have this whole other story this whole other incident uh or background that has already happened but we don't know what's we only know know bits and pieces that's with the father and son uh at the very beginning of the film uh we see uh the father and son walk out chase after the meth head who's uh who's part of the main story as well they kill a girl set her on fire uh, and then later we find out that this farmhouse was also a bloodbath. It was also a site for the doctor and his experiments uh, into occultism and raising the dead and conquering death. And uh, the meth head also told about like seeing horrific rituals and and cold activity there. So there's this whole other story. Um, uh, involving like the kid getting wounded and like the father son's adventure, um, it's very very subtle. Like there was there's things where like um, there's one part that's 
it's so so it's only it took one sentence from the father but it puts things like the the gravitas what's at stake in motion where um the father and the son they break into the hospital um and uh this is when the the beverly the first flesh monster is is uh uh, reanimated um and then the i think james james um the the guy who escaped before um has maggie this pregnant teenager uh with a scalp in the throat so this is crazy mexican standoff situation and the father and this the father turns to the kid and the kid is trying to like he he wants to help uh and the kid uh the father's like he just says to the kid do you really want to go through all that again i was like holy it's like holy shit what the hell happened to what happened before uh and that's exactly how the thing was framed Uh, and and this movie is clearly a callback and a love letter to like classic 80s horror movies like the thing and hellraiser and stuff so it's completely deliberate i love the closing uh hellraiser homage that they did in this movie with the slowly collapsing the through the closing, yeah, hall. yeah. That I mean, I love Hellraiser. I will, I could watch that, especially the first two. I could watch easily any day of the week. Just put it on in the background, not think about it at all, and I'm there. So, you're I. The fact that this was just so reminiscent of all of those gory '80s movies that sort of like made. 80s horror just made this made the void shine even more it was it was made with tender loving care for all those um movies that came before it and and it also approached it in the same way um well del toro he really really wanted to work on an adaptation for the at the mountains of madness um that project never materialized um but he always wanted to make Lovecraft in a way that no one had envisioned it before. And Lovecraft's been along around a long time, but like it's the enduring power of their stories which inspires creators, and uh, that's the same approach that the writers for this film wanted to do. They just really wanted to modernize Lovecraftian's themes and motifs, and I think they did that terrifically here. I honestly think that everyone should give this a shot, at the very least. Um... I think it's I think it's one to add to your own personal wheelhouse. I also know that, and no, we're not sponsored, but uh, a company that I have talked about on here before called Cavity Colors that sells merch, like horror movie merch, actually has a Void collection on their site. They have the t-shirts, they have zip-up hoodies, <gasps> they have enamel pins. <gasps> it's all triangle-based. <laughs> Do they have cultist robes? <laughs> I, I wish, but that like, if anybody finds the like occult robes as like a onesie, please let me know because I would love that. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Just everybody walking around in void onesies when we are released from quarantine. Well, just everyone will just emerge. <laughs> and and. and and when the seventh seal opens and there's just random disembodied horns, and then we get we get like there's like a text message. All it is is like a triangle, and then it gives you the address of some random hospital. It's like you're like come to us. We are <laughs> so yeah. We're, we're we're waiting. We're waiting for that message. We're waiting for that siren. I'm ready. I think Chris has had it with quarantine. No, I, no, no, I, no. Yes, actually, yes, yes. I am done with this mortal, mortal coil. Please, the void. <laughs> please, Cthulhu. Please, what giant shiny black pyramid? Take me to your arms. <laughs> I loved. I I I had a lot of like pinhead vibes and Clive Barker vibes from Powell's Final State. Oh yeah, and I loved that. Um, I knew that the pregnant chick was going to be a vessel, but let's be honest, like I said earlier, when you ha- start a horror movie and there's a pregnant girl, one of two things is going to happen. There's going to be something wrong with the baby <laughs> and she's going to die. <laughs> and both happened. 
Uh, I wasn't expecting her to be a cultist. Like, she just killed her own granddad with a scalpel. Like, oh, (laughs) great. (laughs) But look how happy she was because Dr. Powell gave her this gift. Because, honestly, I I do think that she, she definitely died. Because isn't the whole mythos behind all of this is, like, Dr. Powell infects you with these visions and then you kill and then you have these void monsters like are part of your rebirth yeah so there's a very specific uh rituals or arcane steps you have to follow to like um so like obviously uh i don't know i mean that that's also another great thing like how the hell did the doctor figure all this out well based on the collection in the morgue he had a couple of trial runs he he had more than a couple. He had like in, he 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 was testing on all the morgues, all the bodies, and he's like, "I love that line. I was so chilling. He's like, I've made many mistakes. Some of them are still downstairs." It's like, oh. I think on top of that, my favorite, my second favorite line is, uh, "Don't worry, Daniel. I'm going to help her. I'm going to help all of you." And it's like, "No, you're not. No, you're not. No, <laughs> no." <laughs> It's like it's like yeah, I'm doing this. I'm ending life and death for science. <laughs> I mean, don't you want, dude? <laughs> don't you want that? Um, but I also love the 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 part where a phone call starts coming from the morgue, and and then and then uh, Dr. Powell's like, he's just talking. He's like, oh, I've done it. I've uh, do, don't you want to see more? And then as as he's talk as the the main character is talking to Powell. Uh, the the father uh, character just opens up this tin box. He finds like, this notebook full of arcane runes and occult runes and, and just photos. Uh, ah, so cool. Uh, but yeah, so the the there's a so how it works out, and we see this go through. Um, uh, what? Oh god, what was his name? Uh, Daniel, the main character. So apparent. Uh, so like, there's a couple steps. So what, step one. Um, the person has or the the subject has to be under some kind of guilt so whether it's beverly maybe feeling guilty that uh she can't save everyone or you know like the hospital doesn't have like the the resources to be an adequate hospital the fact that uh um daniel has guilt over uh feeling relief uh, at um their unborn child being a stillborn child um or or with the father um he almost succumbed to this but the fact that the father feels incredible guilt for not um being able to protect the rest of the family uh so you have to go through this very this strong sense of guilt remorse um and then uh you have to kill someone um and then when you die um uh through some arcane occult process whether i think it's whether it's some kind of weird spell or maybe the doctor corrupted the little grounds and reality around the hospital or around the town um once you kill someone and then you die you reanimate at this as this crazy fleshy uh tentacled flesh monster and you're able to like infect other people as well um so yeah that was that, uh, that that's like the kind of two or three step process uh, how to become a flesh monster and how to become ever living well so i think that maybe the guilt she had was maybe the guilt from getting pregnant would be the only thing that a young kid that i would think would have plus she's living with grandpa maybe mom and dad kicked her out um and I'm convinced, well, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. And I'm convinced that she died on the floor because they said she can't do a C-section because one of them will die, so I'm not going to do that. Um, which is the whole point of her getting the meds and then trying to move her to a safe place for her to have her baby. I thought she just died because like, it, it's just straight out of like Alien- no, no, no. I think I think she died because she didn't she didn't get the care right away and whatever Dr. Powell did to her, I guess, in that moment of, like, acceptance allowed her to get up, kill Grandpa, and then thus Powell's child was reborn. Oh, yes, yes. Okay, I got it. It was the only way that that whole 
sequence with the way everything yeah because like maggie was in such incredible pain um yeah she was in pain for a little bit and you watched her sort of phase out like she's laying down there and her eyes are rolling in the back of her head i'm like this bitch is dying on the ground like what are you gonna do the one person that I actually like wanted to die in this movie didn't, and I'm really pissed about it. Yeah, let's let's talk about that. So, uh, so Kim nice was a useless Chow. character, and I hated her. <laughs> <laughs> nice shot, and I really AKA wanted Ellen her to Wong. get eaten by the baby. She's a great actor, but her character was terrible. It was just like this one note where she was like, "It was like I'm not even supposed to be here." She was whiny and entitled. And she was sitting there with a patient, like, showing him her medical textbook of, like, all the things that she's so excited to, like, be able to do while she's training. And either she doesn't actually want to do it or she hated being in that hospital because when it came down for her to do what she had to do, she could not be bothered. Instead, all of a sudden, she just started screaming and crying, I can't do it, I can't do it. Well, bitch, you're in the wrong fucking career then. Yeah, like... Yeah, like when the chips were down, like not even, not even when the, not even when she gets really real, like when uh, Daniel just gets stabbed in the uh, stab with a knife, um, she's still in shock, um, and she, I mean, obviously she, I mean, I want to cut her some slack because she's like 16, 17, but at the same time, like she should know this is the type of stuff that happens all the time when you're in a hospital. She can't be 16 or 17 if she's in training, like, in school. Okay, so maybe, what, like, uh, 19, 20? Like, did she not think that this was a part of it? No, I think she was just in her overhead, or maybe it was just, maybe we, maybe it was, uh, out of, like, familiar societal pressure, like, I, I mean, it's a stereotype, but it does happen, like, hey, I, I experience it all the time, too, why don't you become a doctor? And it's like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it honestly could have been that um like she she was just forced into it by family uh to become a doctor or a nurse or something like that um but she clearly wasn't cut out for the job and like i swear i was waiting for the moment where you know she decided to stop be- being a victim and just take the axe and just go to town on some cultists uh, and on some flesh monsters but no she never gets that emotional growth. She never really changes. She just ends up hiding in the closet the entire time. And it's like, you know, I think that's such a waste for someone like Ellen Wong, who's such a great actress. Um, and it's just like, ugh. Uh, it's just, it's just, it was just like a one-note pony that got old really quickly. See, Chris wanted her to, like, rise up and be a badass. Yeah! I, yeah. Wanted I wanted her to be Ripley. Lovecraftian... <laughs> I wanted that that Lovecraftian baby to crawl out of that girl and eat the living shit out of her before everything else started. It didn't happen. I was very disappointed. Do you know what would be so cool if like if Maggie starts to die, uh, and then like and then like Kim's like, okay, okay, I need to do it. She does. She, she I'm gonna save the baby. She cuts open the the stomach, and then, like, tentacles come out of uh, out of the womb and grab her face. That would have been so cool. <laughs> That's what I thought was gonna happen. That's what I thought was gonna happen. I was fucking counting on it. It's not what happened. I was mad. Okay, well, when, Rai, when we, when we get the funding, we'll make our own cosmic horror movie, and we'll get, we could do all the tentacle flesh Cthulhu babies. It'd be awesome. Oh, good. So we're gonna intentionally write a character that nobody likes that is super annoying and kill yeah. him. <laughs> or him. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what was your favorite of the army of Eldritch Horror mutants downstairs in the morgue? You you mentioned it. I love the baby. The baby was awesome. It was just... It had like this... <laughs> it had like this... Um, it had like this oversized... like overdeveloped forehead and like these big glassy black eyes and you could hear it like wailing slash cooing and it just had like tons of intestine looking tentacles coming out and um it was it was beautiful like oh (laughs) i want one somebody wants to knit one of those for chris i think he'd love it you know what it actually kind of reminded me of the monster at the end of the ritual Oh, well, actually, this 
this movie was produced by the same guys who did the ritual. So well, maybe that makes that's sense. where it fucking <laughs> came from. I was looking at it and I was like, this is basically like ritual-esque and I kind of want to watch the movie now for like a different vibe. I was watching the trailer. I was like, you know what? I want to watch the trailer and like I want to see how much they reveal. And then like one of the first things they said, like from the producers of the ritual. Well, there you go. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know anything about this movie. I went in blind. I didn't watch a trailer. I didn't watch anything. I just went in. I was like, "No, I'm doing yeah. it." Yeah. I mean, I think it's the best. That, I mean, because I honestly, I feel like this, this, the, the trailer gives away stuff. I mean, they show cultists. They show some some flesh monster tentacle stuff. They don't show like the creatures outright. But, uh, yeah, going in blind is like the best way to watch this movie. I think my favorite was the one with the hole in the head that kept smacking. Its oh head yes, one of the zombos. The I was like, the zo- yes. yes. <laughs> Just the whole thing had a very obvious cosmic horror thing to it, but I think that what I really loved about all of this was the d- a lot of the design of the like mutants if you will, had a very Hellraiser, like, Cenobite vibe to them. And that just made me so happy. (laughs) Like, one of them looked like the Chatterer Cenobite from Hellraiser. I was not mad at it at all. I mean, I was, I mean, there's so many, like, homages and references here. And, uh, yeah, again, it is all intentional. It was just, it was done right. I don't want to call this movie cute because it's not. It's visceral and gross, and it only gets worse. Hey, hey, that that ba- that flesh baby was cute. <laughs> of course, no one is surprised. You think that I want is cute. A, I want it. I think my favorite imagery of all of it though is definitely Powell's transformation. Like the fact that part of their whole thing is like they rip their faces off, and the special effects that they use with that. Yeah, they flay themselves. I, I I love watching the movie again because like I I th- uh it was like nice foreshadowing because like there's that one scene where um Kim is talking to Cliff the patient and she was talking about degloving it's like oh yeah it's like it's like she's showing him like how to flay a piece of flesh and then later you see Bev peel off her own it's like it's not my face and then she starts like taking off oh it's so cool there were just so many amazing elements to this that just make it like overall just a really well done movie like i'm surprised like don't get me wrong like if you look at the reviews on shutter there are some people who did not like it who thought it was lame or it sucked okay well then maybe cosmic horror might not be the thing for you or maybe body horror is not their thing Um, or maybe that too but i think that this was just like a really well-rounded just overall really well done movie i didn't i don't i mean apart from me wanting kim to die and me being sorely disappointed that she didn't I I have nothing bad to say about this. I did genuinely enjoy this movie, and I cannot believe I waited so long. I I can't believe I heard I haven't heard of it, but uh, I'm very pleased. I'm probably gonna watch it again tonight before I go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was I was I'm like halfway through rewatching it before we start recording. It's like oh, it's so good. I have a burning question. This is where I wish I had, like, demonologist on my resume. Because I was trying to look up, like, what's the significance, what's the symbology, what's the iconography of, like, triangles and occultism. And I'm having trouble, like, looking it up. Because I know, like, I, I know, like, the... So the, the, the main recurring symbol of the Void is uh, an isosceles triangle. Uh, the, po- the point is up. Um, so I was trying to look for some, uh, some theories or some meanings behind it. Like, um, and I, the closest thing I could find out was apparently the triangle is used by cultists as a summoning symbol. Um, uh, so like in the culmination of a ritual, uh, a desired being is expected to appear, uh, within a triangle inscribed on the floor, uh, and then try um, what's it called? The rituals are done in the in the protection. They 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 also inscribe circles, and these circles are like supposed to protect you 
from whatever summon. So, so wait a minute. Didn't the triangle, wasn't it like a triangle and then it had like a square in it with a circle or something like that? Yeah. So like the, their, the actual symbol in the notebook, it was like, there was like a tri, it was like, it was like a, kind of like a triforce. So it had like one giant triangle made up of multiple triangles. And then it had like two arrays, like north and south of the triangle made up of like, concentric multiple circles um um like yeah so i thought i saw i'm just curious i I saw the symbol one of the symbols that they used in there i thought was the symbol the symbol that they use in alchemy like the philosopher's stone like eternal life which would make sense because that's all powell's trying to do is trying to cheat life and death eternal and just exist in this void, in this plane of, you know. So I, I've seen that one before. But isn't isn't the whole not to go all conspiracy theory on everybody, but isn't the the symbol of the Illuminati a triangle? Yeah, it's it's also okay. a triangle. It's like it's, like, it's the all seeing eyes, a triangle with the eyeball in the middle. Yeah, that's uh, also based off of Christian iconography though, isn't it? Y- yeah. Uh which is also borrowed from like Egyptian uh, it's all, it's all, it's all like borrowed iconography ar- that's repurposed over time. Um, the other thing I found, uh, I read about for point up triangles. So apparently, uh, the, the symbol of a point up triangle represents either a strong foundation stability. It also represents an ascent to heaven. So maybe it means like an ascent to a different type of reality or trans or transcendent state which is what happens at the end uh daniel tackles the the good doctor and they end up in this other realm uh with storm clouds um and just barren wasteland and this is just looming black pyramid behind these misty clouds and like this weird dark dark ominous sun behind it so that could be heaven i mean because i mean it's like a different type of existence where like life and death aren't um concepts there you know (laughs) and uh, i mean and that make that makes sense because it's kind of i don't know um i'd like to get your thoughts on this do you think that daniel actually killed his wife or is his wife actually dead or is that like a phantom or a revenant or is all in his head what do you think happened hmm i thought i had the answer to this when we sat down I think that I think he thought he was killing her. Well, at the same time, like he was hallucinating, like like she he he saw her strapped down to a table. She was there the day they lost their child, and on top of that, she like crumbled and turned into ash, but then was lying on a table with vines and tentacles coming out of her. So I think that he thought that he killed her. And maybe that's what he needed to do to snap himself out of the vision, the way the sun burns his dad with the flare to snap them out of it. But at the same time, I think that there, there's also room to make the argument that it's all still a fever dream because in the end, they're both existing in the void together. Their marriage is saved. They're holding hands. So either... <laughs> Right. So like either he he gave in and then he went with Powell and that was it or he he's still there existing and if he acknowledges what he did it could fracture his mind and be pulled out of everything and we don't know what the world will be like if he ever comes back to or what have you. You know what I mean? I have no idea. That's another really interesting thing. Like, um, in the beginning of the film, uh, it's this eerie, um, pastiche of shots where they just, uh, where they just show quick pans to different parts of the town, and it's all super dark. There's no people around. Super isolated. So it's, uh, so and that's just one town. It's the perfect um, time to have a mutant uprising. Yes. Um, so I'm thinking like, I mean, and, and uh, we don't know how big this town is. 
Uh, we don't know where the hell the the father and the son were, or how far they traveled. Um, but um, and, and we saw how um, whatever bad juju the the doctor was doing, it had the the power to physically alter reality. Like the fact that um, uh, even though Kim said there's only one set of stairs, uh, there's no. There's no basement, and then there's like a bunch. There's like a, a sub basement where um, he's keeping, or the doctor's keeping all of his failed experiments. And there's another one where it has the actual ritual chamber, or the fact that the area around the hospital, like for, for one of the shots, like it moved the cruiser like much, much farther away from the the entrance than originally uh, where uh, Daniel parked it. Uh, so who knows? Maybe the entire world is effed. <laughs> we don't well, that's, know. That's, I mean, I'm assuming that's what happened because like we saw from the father and the son, wherever they came from, it was obvious that it was happening wherever they are. So by that logic, we have to think that it's happening everywhere and that the hospital was just one isolated incident that we got to be a part of. Yeah, and, and the, the movie made it really really in um it didn't it, it didn't provide like cop out reasons uh it just provided like subtle shots and it'll provide it provided, like reasons where like oh yeah like no phone lines are working all the radios don't work um you know and everyone's cut off and it's like well you the, at the end of the day you, you don't really know uh and it kind of I mean, for a brief moment, it seemed a little bit optimistic. You know, you had that classic shot where, like, it's it's dawn, it's morning, there's sunlight breaking, but then, but then they're in they're in they're in the void, and then like, there's like this looming black pyramid, and like, there's like this weird synth wavy ambiance, and it's like, and then, and then, you know, the last shot we see is them looking and holding it in their hands, and it cuts. Yeah, but that wasn't the like we saw. We got a nice like vivid image of the black pyramid but correct me if i'm wrong but weren't they like surrounded by like black pyramid-esque shapes like in the void? i thought there was just one super giant oh, one and there was like is? okay yeah and then there was like a ton of clouds and then there was like a uh this the pyramid was it was eclipsing some of it but there was, there was like something akin to like a sun um um uh in the distance but yeah this was good. This was like really. It good. was really good. It was good. I like and like I was, I I I, I did a goof because apparently there's a horror anthology. Yes, called the Void. Yes. Um, and I was like, oh, and I was telling Ryan, hey Ryan, I, I finished, I finished the Void. I'm I'm gonna watch the sequel. And you're like, there's a sequel. And I looked it up. I was like, oh oh. Well, I was gonna my follow up to that after we figured out that it was a totally different thing was that if there was a sequel, I was about to be like, well, we're turning this into we're doing both in one episode because if there's a sequel, we might as well do it. As much as I want more, you know, I'm 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 content with not doing not having a sequel and then i was i was uh reading stuff where the directors in the film team they deliberately didn't want to make a sequel which is you know good for them i'm so proud of them for that i love that i love that we're not getting a sequel i think it's the right fucking thing to do i think we've talked about especially when we watch things that have more than one movie more than one iteration and when we start getting into franchises how i think the biggest thing that irritates us is when we're watching movies and it becomes obvious that the subsequent sequels and things like that were done as like an effort to sort of milk the franchise for all they're worth, like Blair Witch specifically. And I like that there's no shot in hell of there ever being a sequel because they wanted this to be a one-off. And I think that that's where it thrives. There will be no sequel. Go into this knowing that. It's not going to change how you watch the movie, and I don't think there needs to be one. I think that the little pocket that we're exposed to is perfect. Find the way it is. We don't need anything else. You don't need any more exposition. You don't need a sequel. You don't need a prequel. You don't need anything. If if anything, like, I I just love our theory crafting. Like, I would just love to write a short story, like... 
about like the origins of the coal or how they actually worked. I mean, obviously, there's only so much I can mine from context clues of the film, but like, I just want to learn more about this coal and what what Powell did to research and actually experiment because that's that's cool shit. I love it. Well, isn't that part of the whole beauty of experimenting with Lovecrafting and cosmic horror is that it's like the unimaginable horrors that may or may not exist. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. Like, that's the whole beauty of this. Yes. But then you you lose your soul. You lose your sanity. (laughs) That would imply that I had any to begin with. Which I clearly don't. So, uh, we're fine. So, do do you have a secret basement lair full of... If I told you, I'd have to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. If you could start a a Lovecraftian cult, who would it worship? (laughs) And what what is his main goal? Like, so Powell, he wanted to... He was driven insane by the loss of his daughter. So, he wanted to master and eradicate the, the barriers between life and death. Uh what would you do <laughs> find a way to get a cthulhu baby keep it permanently baby and keep it as a pet yay i just want baby cthulhu that's all i want baby cthulhu <laughs> yes we want we want, I want baby cthulhu little, we want baby s- s- star spawns and shagas i don't want to like master anything i don't want to take control over anything i just want to exist with a baby See, Cthulhu. you don't have illusions of grandeur. You're just like, I just want a Cthulhu baby. I That's just want it. a Cthulhu baby. That's it. Like, I'm not trying to, like, become all-powerful or anything like that. No, no, no. Just leave me be with my Cthulhu baby, and I will leave you to it. Just go right, right the fuck ahead. See, right. For me, I want everyone to be happy. <laughs> so happy. Chris wants to master the universe. <laughs> Everybody watch out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, um... Yeah, so what was your favorite part of the film? I like how progressively gorier it got. Um, and the progression, it it kind of takes you through like a slow burn and the slow burn of how gory it gets is very much paired with this amazing tension that they've created. And I think that it all comes to a head and the part where I was like, oh dear God, everyone's fucked is the minute they get into that basement. And it's not when they're finding... Oh, and the thump. (laughs) Yeah, it's not when they're finding all the occult things on the floor or the gurneys that they're surrounded by. It's not the obvious smell that you can like, you see them have that reaction. And for like a second, because of how well it's done, you think you smell it too. No, it's when they realize what they've stumbled into and what is now waking up around them. That whole sequence is a thing of fucking beauty. That. Because it, it all comes to that head. And obviously there's more movie after that. And it, it, it just keeps snowballing in the best way possible. But that for me was, I think, one of my favorite moments. That was my oh shit moment. It's interesting you say... It's interesting you, you mention how there's like a slow burn of gore. Like, uh, I felt like there wasn't a slow burn. I felt like every 10 minutes there was something crazy that's that was popped up, about to pop off. Like for like like the the father and the son burning the girl and then the 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 Daniel being attacked by the cultist and then the the kid and like there's like I mean yes like the the action gets progressively more and more I, I don't want to say over the over the top but intense but um I never I I felt I I felt like they were really great with pacing. there was like there was moments of levity and it made um not well maybe not levity but moments where you could catch your breath and then it's like oh no wait no here's we're gonna throw this at you and this at you and it, it never never felt too ham fisted where it's like you got it felt like you were bad it was you were so inundated um and you were just bored by the expectation of something weird or crazy would happen but like it just happened and it was just this done in the really smart exciting way and like yes and by by the end like it got raised to 11 where you they're fighting off an entire room of zombies or like the baby flesh monster uh, but it never felt that the pacing was off 
Um, in terms of my favorite scene, oh, man. Uh, obviously, like, obviously the flesh baby uh, uh, assault, but, like, I, I, this is credit to the actor, but I just loved it so much. Anytime Dr. Powell was just monologuing and giving, like, these, these insane, uh, Messiah God complex speeches like yes I I have conquered death and I can show you too it's like like just the gravitas and performance of his voice alone is like oh it's so good so is so anything with Powell just like ranting about how he's gonna save this you is my and help face. everyone uh, yes <laughs> yes <laughs> I aspired to be oh, Dr. Of course Powell, you so do. I need to get a, I need a, I need, a, I need a doctor's degree, and then I need a degree in demonology, and then I need to get a book and scribble all these circles and triangles and see what works. Be fine. <laughs> what would you rate this? Uh, I would rate this six out of five pyramids. Yeah, I give. I would do five out of five pyramids myself. I can't say anything bad about this. I think it's. I don't mean darling in like a derogatory way. I, I think that add this to your wheelhouse. Give it a shot. If you sit there the whole time and you go, what the fuck? Well, then the filmmakers sort of achieved what they wanted to. But then give it another watch. Because like, I know I want to watch this again. Because there was part of the part of the time where I was sitting there like, what the fuck am I watching? But not in a bad way. I started rewatching that again. And like, I'm just, I'm so gleeful. Because like, there's like... There's, like, so much foreshadowing that I missed in the first act of the film. It's like, oh, it's great. I know I'm going to be watching this again. I might wake up tomorrow morning and start watching it at 7 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Who knows? Do it. Yes. Um, and that, that just makes me, it just makes me so excited because, like, uh, thank you, Ryan. We have, we have more Lacrashian horror films in the slate. I'm like, yes, yes. So, uh... Yeah, I, 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 and if anyone out there has any suggestions, he means you, Rain, because I know you're listening. <laughs> yes, um, because I, I know we want to do the Nick Cage Color Out of Space, uh, movie. Yes. So yeah, like, uh, we need more. Um, I, I've been going through such an intense, uh, Lovecraft binge. Um, I picked up this Audible collection. For just one credit, I have fifty hours worth of Lovecraft short stories to binge through. I'm like, it's it's beautiful. So, um, yeah, I just I just need more of my veins, please. <laughs> On that note, thank you for listening to another episode of Left for Dread. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Everything helps. You can listen to us on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify every Friday. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Left for Dread Pod. You can find us on Facebook, and you can visit us on our website at leftfordread.com. I don't know why I did that. Uh, because, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, I think we're on a we're high We're in the void. Right we're in the we're void, void. We're, we're chilling on this pyramid. Void. Anything's possible. Uh, so uh, come join us. Come join us in the void. Come join us in the void, and stay tuned for next week when we are talking when we are doing a whole episode on Ari Aster and we are talking about hereditary and midsummer i am so fucking stoked it's a big it's a big episode it's a big beefy episode i'm so excited i'm absolutely taking this as an opportunity to watch the 3 hour director's cut of midsummer for this episode oh Ooh, I did not even know that was a thing. Ooh, yeah, the original cut is two and a half hours, and then the director's cut is a whole three. Excellent. Excellent. I will be watching the three-hour episode because I've right, seen well, the two and a half hours. So. Yeah, so we're, we're going to be watching from the top of the pyramid, so you should join us and watch this too, and then come back, you know, just just walk through that shiny white white light in the middle of the wall and, you know, you know enjoy it with us. So, so thank you for listening. You're awesome. And don't forget, stay, stay dreadful. dreadful. <laughs> <laughs>